boldness and confidence are all in your mind. Seriously, just a few specific thoughts can easily reprogram your brain to change your life. I'll show you. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am Kyle Winkler here to shut down the enemy's lies in your life. I do it live on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central, right here at kylewinkler.org slash live. And you know I'm here, we are here, because of the generosity of our friends and partners. This ministry is entirely donor-supported, and of course, donations provide for all the logistical and technical aspects of this ministry, but it's all for the purpose of reaching people. People are our purpose. And I love getting stories in from people who have been helped by what we do. I just received one from Deborah in Wisconsin. Deborah says, thank you for giving balancing truth about who we are in Christ. When I focus in the past on what a worm I was, thinking I was being humble, it almost destroyed me. Now, through a miracle of God, I know I am a child of a king. That means I'm royalty. Thank you for showing us who we are in Christ. Thank you, Deborah, for sending me that message. From near destruction to victory, that's the kind of result I pray God uses this ministry to accomplish, and it's encouraging to hear yet another story of it happening. But again, it's not happening all because of me. It takes us all working together. So if you say, Kyle, I want to be a part of reaching people with you, then please will you consider a tax-deductible gift of support. You may give at any time at kylewinkler.org donate. And by the way, every donation receives a gift in return. Go to kylewinkler.org donate to find out what this month's gift is. Okay. You know that your mind controls your life, right? Your beliefs influence your behaviors, your Thoughts impact your talk and your walk. Common sense, I'd say. But science supports it. More importantly, so does Scripture. In the Old Testament, Proverbs 4.23 says that your thoughts steer your life. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said in Romans that those who live according to the flesh have set their mind on the flesh. Like I said, Science can demonstrate why this is true. I'll draw it out for you here. Always like to bring out my handy dry erase board from time to time. So if you're tuning in on the audio podcast, you're going to have to imagine this again. Otherwise, go to kylewinkler.org and you can watch it as I'm drawing this out. But let's just draw a representation of you. That's a pretty round head there. And there's some ears, okay? Give you some eyes. And you definitely deserve a brain up there, right? All right. Uh, okay. I don't know. Representation of you, not great. You're far better looking. I know. But this is all you're going to get from me. The images and sounds that come through your eyes and ears, okay, all get sent to the brain for processing. Essentially, the images and sounds are all just signals that mean nothing until your brain says this is what they mean. Your brain makes its interpretations based upon things it's learned before. 
For example, if you were correctly told at some point the sky isn't blue, and I hope you were, well, every time you see the sky now, you don't have to think about what color it is. Your brain interprets it automatically, correctly, as blue. And that's great. It's God's design for the mind. But in our fallen world, some not-so-great things get learned, too, things that God didn't design. Like if you experienced a daddy being bad, then your brain might interpret all daddies being bad. If you experienced a spouse who betrayed you, you might interpret all potential spouses as likely to betray you, and you'll respond to them according to that. If you were treated unfairly by a church, same thing, you might despise every church. As I said, based on past experiences that come in, that your eyes and ears and feelings, all your senses have, they go to the brain. And the brain interprets everything that comes in and tells the rest of you then over time, here's what this is, here's what this means, here's what to feel, here's what to fear because of it. Well, that dictates how you act. It's going to dictate what you do. It's going to dictate how you talk, how you walk. Which is why the Bible says it steers your life. But thankfully, because of the mind's design to learn, it can relearn. It can be hacked to be reprogrammed. And God gives us the way. This is Romans 12.2. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Other versions call this the renewal of the mind. This is why I often say that most of us have the way to change ourselves all backwards. See, it says transformation comes by changing the way you think. When we tend to think that transformation comes from the way you behave, we think you get your behaviors right and then you change when, in truth, it's not behaviors that really change your life. It's not stop this, quit that, start this. It's beliefs that influence your behaviors that change your life. You get that? When your mind gets changed, what you see gets changed, how you respond gets changed, and your life gets changed. So you want to find peace with your past? Change your beliefs. Want to experience joy in the present? Change your beliefs. Want to have hope for the future? Change your beliefs. This happens through a process of being exposed to truth, like gospel truth, then fixating on that truth. The first part, being exposed to truth, is why you listen to messages like these. It's why you read your Bible, why you go to church. As the Apostle Paul said, faith comes by hearing the words of Christ, hearing the gospel. So you got to be exposed to truth first. That's the foundational step. And when you are, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit does something that causes that truth to resonate with your spirit in a way that challenges a long-held lie. And when the truth clicks with you, and trust me, you'll know it when it does, take that truth in. It's what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4.8. Fix your thoughts 
on what is true and right and lovely, worthy to be praised, so on. Fixate is what he's saying. Well, how do you do that? Is it through a discipline of scripture memorization or reading scripture over and over and over again or reading it aloud? I'm not going to speak against anything to do with getting more scripture into you. But I will speak against the word discipline. You see, in his letters, one of the things the Apostle Paul consistently warns both Jews and Gentiles is taking on some sort of discipline to change the flesh. Jews had law. Gentiles had kind of contemporary self-help principles. Well, mind renewal isn't just mouthing or reading words or doing it as a discipline. It's about taking the words in. It's about believing them. Fix your thoughts on truth in order to do what Paul said in just about every letter. He said, put on, clothe yourself in truth, in Christ, in love, in your new nature. Everything that the gospel says. I teach on this concept a lot. But if you're new here, put on is the Greek word enduo. It's what the English word endowment comes from. And that's a gift of grace. So fixating your thoughts on truth in a way that changes you is to identify with the truth. Like really sink into it. Believe what it says about you what it means about you. So I know it can be hard to understand how to do this. And it can take some time to really identify with your new identity. That's what it's about. Feelings, fears, and the like will try to talk you out of accepting many truths. But I'll share what's helped me. When God leads me to a truth, such as a particular scripture, and he really shows it to me, in a new light, I take it through a few reflection questions. What does this mean about me? What does this mean about God? And what does this mean for my situation? So using those three reflection questions, I then like to personalize the truth to me or my situation. That helps me put it on. For example, in Romans 8.38, Paul says, nothing can separate us from God's love. So to really put on this truth, it's helpful for me to think and say something as simple as, I am loved unconditionally, or God loves me unconditionally. I can't slip out of God's love. I can't sin my way out of God's love. All those kinds of things personalize it. Now, there really is a countless amount of truths that God could lead you to. I mean, this is a big Bible. But I'd say his character of love is the most foundational. So if you haven't been able to grasp that yet, I mean, you might just need to go around muttering under your breath, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. Certainly after a failure, Say, God loves me. I mean, the flesh is not going to want you to say that. The devil's not going to want you to say that. 
he's going to make you feel it's the opposite. Got to say it anyway. Got to believe it anyway. God loves me. In the mirror, point at yourself and say, God loves you. So like I said, there are plenty of others. And those are the ones I want to address in this message. Particularly, three truths. Three power thoughts that build confidence and boldness. Remember, you have to be exposed to truth first. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you truth. And then I'm going to trust the Spirit to take it from there. He might focus on just one of them, maybe all of them. But you'll know it by the way it grips you, maybe even challenges you. And then you won't be able to shake it. That's how you're going to know that it's one that you really need to fixate on and put on. Okay? First power thought. I am complete. I found that one of the greatest causes of insecurity comes from the belief that either who you are or your current situation makes you only part of a person. Or that something you don't have makes you only part of a person. Or that there's something about you that's not quite right and needs to be fixed. I'll give you an example that I hear a lot in the church world, especially as people talk to single people. People will always say to single people something like, I'm praying for that person who completes you. They might say to married people, when are you going to have a child? As if a child completes you. Now, I know people mean well when they say things like that and ask questions like that, but it often gets interpreted by the hearer as, I must not be complete. I'm lacking. I'm only part of a person. There are all kinds of situations beyond those two that provoke the same belief. It could be the societal pressure to go to college or to achieve a certain level of a career. Whatever phase of life you are in, it's always implied that there's something more that you need. Otherwise, there's a problem with you. But I'm here to tell you that nothing external nor anything internal, nothing about you, nothing around you, determines your level of completeness. The only thing that does is whether or not you have Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, then sure, you're missing what God wants for your life. But if you do know Jesus, the scripture assures in Colossians 2.10, you are also complete through your union with Christ. Completion means that you are whole. There's nothing more you need. There's nothing more to fix in order to be okay. Now, sure, there could be some things that God might want to bless you with. Certainly, a relationship could be one of them. Children could be one of them. A career. Lots of things. But none of those are the source of your wholeness. Don't get caught up in waiting for a win or in feeling bad about something you don't have yet or won't ever have, possibly. Your mentality can't be when I graduate, then I will have achieved something. Or when I get married, then I will be complete and happy. Or when I have children, then I'll have a legacy worth living for. When I get to that level in my career, then I will have arrived. No, you are complete in Christ. 
your emptiness was filled with the entirety of him. Refuse any voice or thought, even the well-meaning ones, that suggest you need anything more than what God has given you. Some things might be nice to have, sure, but God has given you what you need. And Jesus himself is with you and he's equipped you for every good work. So may your joy not be postponed. May your calling not be on hold. May your satisfaction not be suspended. I'm telling you, when it comes to being enough, there's nothing more to wait for. May you live fully in the fullness of who you are in Christ. Second power thought. God will use me. Most people battle the notion that something that happened or something about them disqualifies them from being used by God whatsoever. But I'm here to tell you that anyone who is made new in Christ is not disqualified for God's use. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we could do the good things he planned for us long ago. God created you to be used by him for something good. Now, I go through this scripture in depth in my teaching series, God's Work. Five messages that go through all of this. But here's a big part of what the verse conveys. God knew all about you before you were ever news to anyone. Before you were formed, he knew you. And he had plans for you. And he molded you and then gifted you in unique ways to fit those plans. And even those things that you deal with that he didn't mold in some amazing way that we can't fully comprehend, God redeemed those things in Christ and made them new so that they all fit the plan too. And this isn't just my opinion. This is demonstrated in people all throughout Scripture. You know, most people think that something about their present disqualifies them. Well, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well is a perfect example of this and how God doesn't agree. The Bible describes her as someone who went through five husbands. Now, to be sure, we don't know if that was her fault. Those husbands likely left her or died. Still, it was a shameful thing to go through that many husbands and to be living unmarried with a sixth man. What was also shameful, at least in the presence of a Jewish rabbi like Jesus, was that she was a Samaritan. Samaritans were despised, considered unclean. And what was at least improbable in those days was that someone like Jesus would call her a woman to something world-changing. Women were not called to anything, really, except for childbearing. Yet Jesus called her to change the world. And she did. You can read the story in John 4, but Jesus introduced himself to this sinning Samaritan woman. All things in the present. Then he empowered her to go tell her whole community. To go back to the people she was afraid would judge her. And she was so empowered, she told them all about Jesus. Everything that he said and knew. 
and many Samaritans believe because of her is what the Bible says. Tradition says that she went on to go as far as to draw the attention of Emperor Nero. So she went way beyond that community. Lots of people came into the faith because of her. No person back then would have chosen someone with that many previous spouses who was part of a demographic that was considered unclean and was part of a gender. She was a woman in a day when women couldn't do anything hardly. But God did. He didn't agree that something about her present disqualified her. He didn't agree that anything about her present disqualified her because he qualified her just by his decision. And she changed the world because of it. Now, obviously, many people think their past is a disqualifier too. That's probably the big one. I've heard people try to tell me that they couldn't be something like a minister, for example because of some salacious things that they've done in the past. They think if people found out it would consume their minds and they wouldn't listen or take them seriously or whatever. Well, sure, you're not going to get everybody to forgive you of what God has forgiven you. Not everybody's going to appreciate you, but you're not called to everyone. Often, you're called to the people like you or the people who are where you were. I mean, if the Apostle Paul had that mindset that his past disqualified him, imagine what wouldn't have happened. You see, he persecuted Christians to the point of threatening murder, and he actually oversaw Stephen being killed. What if he thought, I can't preach the gospel because every time I do, people will imagine me killing someone? Well, here's the interesting, mind-boggling thing. His past didn't disqualify him, but qualified him all the more. Because of it, people saw and heard about the power of God to change them similarly. It's like, wow, if God could change Paul, a guy that did things like that, imagine what he could do with me. God gave him a story through his story that caught people's attention. Paul's past actually made people sit up and listen to him more intently. Now, God didn't make Paul a persecutor. But he certainly used his past in a way that fit the plan he always had for him. I could go on and on with Bible stories, and I could even share more stories from my life. But since I have to move on, I'll summarize this point with this little hint for you. Pay attention to what people think counts you out, or what the devil says counts you out. Anything that claims to count you out. Pay attention because that's probably what God will use to count you in into his plan regardless of what was in it and in your history or what's in your present. Okay. Third power thought. God is for me. Romans 8.31 assures if God is for us who can ever be against us? This simple verse, and it's simple. So much of this is simple, as I said. It just takes a sentence. But this simple verse confronts probably the most common lie that I hear. Most people have lived a lifetime believing that God is out to get them for some reason. 
usually because of something they did wrong. So if they still have any faith left, it's faith motivated by fear, which isn't really faith at all. It's impossible to expect any of God's promises, much less that he'll use you if you believe that he's out to get you. One of the things that God is for me means is that what's happening in your life, like the bad stuff, the tragedies and traumas, sicknesses and symptoms, what's happening in your life isn't God taking away something out of retaliation. What God is for you also means is that you can count on God to protect you, bless you, good things. It also means that any delay or rejection in your life may actually be God's protection in your life. Do you see why it's important to reflect upon what does this truth mean about my situation? Just off the top of my head there, I got three truths to help me reframe what's happening around me. And you'd probably come up with some other implications of what it means that God is for you. A few years ago, I got to contribute to an Advent devotional. It's titled, The Glory Has Come. And in the chapter I wrote for it, I talk about the situation of how and where Jesus was born. Because of a last-minute census, Mary and Joseph had to make a few-day journey by foot or camel to Bethlehem. While she was nine months pregnant, couldn't have been comfortable to travel that distance. I'm sure they thought, what are you doing, Lord? But that was just one of many inconvenient circumstances in their life that ended up working like a divine hand to get them right where they were supposed to be. Because Bethlehem had been the long prophesied place of the Messiah's birth. Like Old Testament prophecy said Bethlehem was the place it was going to happen. Well, because Joseph was from Bethlehem, that's his homeland, when the census was called, he had to go back there. And when he went back there, because of the bumpiness and Mary being nine months pregnant, she goes into labor and has Jesus right where he was prophesied of being born. So some of you are lamenting a lost relationship or maybe a rejection from a relationship you wanted to happen but didn't, or a job you didn't get. I don't want to minimize your pain because I know it hurts. I'm not asking you to bottle up any grief or suck it up and get tough. All I'm asking you to do is in the midst of it, set your mind and your mouth on the truth. God is for me. You don't have to feel it. Just when you feel the pain bubble up, remember, God is for me. I don't understand it. It's okay not to get it not to see it, not to hear it, but believe it. I promise you, when you look back in hindsight, you'll marvel at how either because of the situation or at least through the situation, God got you right where he wants you. I learned something years ago, which I encourage you to remember. 
everything is Father-filtered. Not Father-sent, but Father-filtered. That means whatever you're facing or dealing with, it's filtered by God, who is for you. And for you is the key to remember there. Fixate on the fact that God is for you. Okay, we covered a lot in those three points, but let me recap them here for you. Three power thoughts that build boldness and confidence. I am complete. God will use me. God is for me. Each one of these obviously could be their own message. I just scratched the surface, but I wanted to give them to you in a way that causes you to explore them further. Like I said, the Holy Spirit's going to take one or all of them, let it grip you, and then go take that further so that you can put it on, personalize them to your situations. If you have my Think on These Things journal, and many of you do, you'll find these truths in there. Revisit the journal, use the prompts in there to take these truths deeper. Okay, I have a bonus thought and a blessing for you. But first, while I'm on the topic of this journal, let me tell you more about it. Need help seeing yourself and your situations in more positive ways? My Think on These Things Scripture Reflection Journal was designed to do just that. It features 30 days of inspirational scriptures with journaling prompts that guide you to align your mind with what God says about you. With my Think on These Things journal, a new confident, courageous, positive you is just 30 days away. Order your copy now at kylewinkler.org journal. Okay, final thought and blessing. One of my favorite of God's promises is that he orders the steps of his people. That's Psalm 37, 23. But often his ordering of our steps doesn't happen in logical and linear ways that are recognizable to us immediately. No, like I said, happened with Mary and Joseph. It frequently looks like inconvenience. It feels like frustration. It's usually not until you look in hindsight that you realize it was never happenstance. You see, God wastes no experience to get you right where he wants you. So today or tomorrow... When you face delay, rejection, or a reroute, rather than despair that you've lost your way, just think, God is ordering my steps. I'm on my way. Remember, you're complete. God will use you because God is for you. Now, I speak a blessing over you. Through all the trials, rejections, reroutes, delays, and brokenness in this world. May you be encouraged that God is right here with you, bringing you through. May nothing get you down. May nothing steal your joy. May nothing destroy your hope. May you be bold and confident. For as the scripture says, you are of God and you have overcome them. Greater are you who are in him than he who is in the world. Okay, that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and he is for you and we're here for you too every week on my website at kylewinkler.org, on our podcast, and wherever you get your social media. Don't forget wherever you're watching or listening to tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. I'll see you next time.